Take your time. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is. It is now. Romans chapter 6. Praise God. How many know that um, God doesn't look at things the same way that everybody else looks at things? Um, he looks at things deeper. And um, he looks at things differently than other people look at things. And um, Scripture declares that, that man looks on the outside... But God, he looks, he looks at the heart. <clears throat> God's eyes are on the heart. And so, when God, can, how many know God can see things that other people can't see? And God can see things about people that other people can't see. And a great example of this would be David and Saul. You know, Saul looked like uh, a mighty man. Uh, he was a head, head and shoulders taller than anybody else in the nation of Israel. Um, he looked like a leader. He came from a good family. And, um, you know, Israel wanted a king, and, uh, and so God let him have one. <clears throat> I mean, old man is always trying to follow man, and God's always trying to get people to follow him. And, um, but then, so, they, so Saul looked good on the outside, <clears throat> but then David, David didn't look so good on the outside. You know, David looked a little sketchy, um, you know, he just didn't look like he was going to be this great leader. Um, he was too young. He was probably kind of weird. You know, how many know if you spend a lot of time by yourself, always, always worshiping God, you get weird? <laughs> Not looking at you. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. And, and, uh, and, and so, like, you know, David wasn't invited to the party, so to speak, um, when the, the prophet came to town. And uh, he was, you know, looking to anoint the next king. You know, they had all the other brothers come. They had Eliab come. He was a big, strong guy and all this. And, you know, the, the father didn't even invite David. So, you know, David didn't look good in the eyes of men. David wasn't even celebrated by his own family. Um, his, his family um, didn't even think to invite him. They thought if anybody's going to be king, it's not going to be David because David's weird and he's out there on the back 40 and... And, uh, you know, it's not going to be him. And so they invited everyone but him. But the prophet was like, no, nah, he's not here yet. We, there's someone else that's supposed to come. And then David came, and God's like, that's the guy. You know, and, and even, even the prophet Samuel was like, when he saw Eliab, which is David's older brother, he thought, well, that's got to be the guy. That guy looks like a king. That guy looks the part. That guy looks like he's supposed to be the one. But God's like, don't look on the outward appearance because that's not the way I look. I actually look at the heart. And how many old David wasn't, or God wasn't concerned about how old David was. God wasn't concerned about how weird David was or how different David was or how David wasn't necessarily celebrated by his family. How many old God was looking at David's heart? And he said, this is a heart that I can get things done through in my kingdom. And because God said, this is a man who's after my own heart. And so God elevated David to the place and said, this guy has the same heart that I have. David was a man after God's own heart. And so <clears throat> that's a very strong statement coming from God. And to say that about someone, but there was something special and something beautiful about David's heart that made him different um, than Saul and different than the other people. And, um, and I think that there's, there's two primary things that separated David's heart and made his heart different than everyone else is that I'm overcoming a tickle in my throat this morning. So we're going to overcome. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to tell you right now, if I take several sips of water, I don't know if any of you have ever tried to speak before when you have a tickle in your throat, but it's a challenge, or try to sing, but we're going to overcome. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to win. So I'm just letting everybody know right now. And so, anyway, um, David had two primary qualities. Number one... <clears throat> David was not about David's goodness. I mean, David wasn't about exalting himself or talking about himself or elevating himself. In fact, if you look at David, there was always a sense of humility about him. He was always like, you know, who am I and what is my house that God would choose me? 
you know, you know, who am I? And he maintained that humility for most of his life. And how many know that, that humility is a really key component into allowing God to work through you? Can you get an amen? How many know God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble? And, and, the op- and of course, Saul represents man-made religion. He represents his kingdom. And, you know, Saul, as soon as he won a battle, how many of he erected a statue to himself? I mean, that just lets you know right there that there's something going on in Saul's heart that shouldn't be there. Like, he's like, ah, oh, we need a statue of me, because I'm awesome. And, um, and that, I mean, he was looking to draw attention to himself. He was looking to draw people to himself. <clears throat> and that, how many know that's not the kingdom? How many know God does not want that for his kingdom? How many know God doesn't want you worshiping any person? Right? God doesn't want you worshiping any person. God doesn't want you worship any church. God doesn't want you worshiping any worship leader. Uh, how many know that, that the middleman is dead and, I mean, and, and, and we have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Amen? The reason we can even have church today is because we brought Jesus in here with us. It's not this building. We are the temple of the living God. And I, and I believe there's, there's a move in the church uh, to get away from hero worship yes. and to get away from making it all about people and, and get back to the root of things and making it about, about Jesus. And so Saul, representing a typology of man-made religion, made it all about himself and how awesome he was. David maintained this heart of humility where he, he, he was constantly talking about the goodness of God, not the goodness of David. And how many know that God wants that same thing in our lives? How many know God, he doesn't want you exalting your goodness? I mean, that's what legalism does. You know, you can always tell if the doctrine is a good doctrine or a bad doctrine by who it exalts. If I'm going to stand up here and everything I say is to draw attention to how awesome I am, well, I fast this amount of time, I pray this amount of time, I give this, I do this, I, 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 I. If I'm drawing attention to myself and looking to glorify myself, how many of my doctrines off? That's bad doctrine. You do not want to listen to a ministry that deifies the preacher, right? You don't want that. It's unhealthy. Why? Because it'll cause you to want to try to be like the preacher. It'll cause you to compare your own relationship with God uh, to the preacher's relationship with God. And the next thing you know, all the thing we talk about is the preacher. How many know that's not God's kingdom? But if the doctrine preached glorifies the one that sent them, what are you talking about? I'm talking about if what is preached glorifies Jesus and not self, are not our own goodness, right? So we haven't come here to draw attention to me or to you. We've came here to draw attention to Jesus. And so one of the things that David had in his heart was he knew that God was good. And he didn't exalt his own goodness. He exalted the goodness of God. And so <clears throat> how many know God likes that kind of heart? Because that heart is a safe place for God to do great things. How many know God did greater things in the life of David than he did in the life of Saul? Now, God still anointed Saul. God still gifted Saul. And Saul got, the, got, the, got it started, so to speak. But God couldn't trust Saul with the expanse of the kingdom because the more the kingdom expanded, how many know there's just more statues of Saul? And we don't want our eyes on Saul. How many know we don't want our eyes on man? Anyone been gagged enough with man-made religion? Like, we do not want to glorify an individual. Like, we've had way too much of that. We don't want it anymore. We want to tear down all those idols. And I'll take it a step further. Don't identify with a preacher. Don't do that. That's carnal. You know, I am of Paul. I am of of Apollos. I am of this. I am of Jeremiah. I am of whatever. Never identify with a preacher. Don't limit yourself to one person's perspective on who God is. How many know you should have your own relationship with God? And the moment you start to identify with a one ministry and one preacher, what ends up happening is you start to, to limit your own relationship with God, and rather than being a voice, you become an echo. And then you start to identify with that individual, and then anytime you start to identify with an individual and you start saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, then you start thinking your way is better than everyone else's way. And then pride develops, and then it becomes something that's actually carnal, becomes factions and separation rather than a sense of unity in the body of Christ. 
Listen, <clears throat> no one has perfect doctrine on this planet. No one. There's nobody on this planet that has God completely figured out. We all have pieces of the pie. It's never going to change. There's not going to have if one person on this planet had all who had everything there was to know about God, how many of that person would end up being worshiped? God purposefully does not give all the pie to any individual so that we have to work together to find out who God is. How many of y'all have learned things in your journey as you've walked? Different, different, different groups have different <clears throat> revelation. You know, and I'm not going to name all the denominations and things like that, but different de denominations were birthed out of a revelation. But then it became the most important revelation, and they did everything based upon that revelation. Then it became religion all over again. I mean, no, we don't have relationship with a concept. We don't have relationship uh, uh, with even a revelation. How I many our, our, our relationship is with Jesus Christ? And so you can't identify with an individual and say, well, I'm of this, or I'm a faith person, or I'm a grace person, or I'm a this, or I'm a that. Don't do that. Don't limit yourself like that. Just be a believer. Just be a child of God who's learning, right? And, and God will take you through different seasons <clears throat> where you're learning different things. And how many know that, that your journey will, will, may take you to different places and may take you to different ministries, but the whole time... God's actually developing your personal relationship with God so that you can come to Him in spirit and in truth and have a real relationship with God. You should not believe everything that comes out of any preacher's mouth. Can I get an amen? You need to go to the Scriptures, 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 and determine whether those things be true. If you can prove it to me in Scripture, I'll embrace it. If you can't prove it to me in Scripture, I'm not going to. It's our common place of truth. It's where we can all meet. How many know we're more noble in the sense that we will search the Scriptures to see whether those things be true? How many know just because somebody's charismatic doesn't mean everything that they say is right? How many know just because someone's operating in a power gift does not mean everything that they say is right? <clears throat> and so, once again, no individual holds all truth. Do not identify with a preacher or a ministry. Identify with Jesus. Allow preachers and ministries... Um, to bring truth into your life, but weigh them in your own heart, whether it bears witness. How I many of you know, every single person in this room right now, you're in a different place when you're in a relationship with God. And God may be highlighting something in your life that's different than what God's highlighting in somebody else's life. But as long as we can agree on the fact that Scripture is true, then we have this common ground where we're going <clears> to <throat> not get caught up in man-made religion, but we can keep this active relationship with God that's growing. How I many you know I don't have a relationship with, my, with who my wife is last year or 10 years from now? I have a relationship with who my wife is right now. How I many you know she's, all, she's, she's always changing and I'm always changing? And it's a dynamic thing where we continue to communicate and talk and grow together. Can I get an amen? Like, I don't have a relationship with a shadow or a type. I don't walk around with a picture of Stacy three years ago and have a relationship with that. How I many of there's going to be no change or communication if I have relationship with a picture of who she used to be? No, no, no. I have a relationship with who she is right now. How I many of she's growing and I'm growing and you're growing? And as, as the product of that, the relationship is dynamic and it's alive and it's changing. How I many know God will, 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 will speak to your heart and He'll reveal Himself in a way that, that you can receive? And God changes not because He changes not. How I many you know we change? I'm seeing some change in my life that's happening in, in the dynamic of my relationships I'm, where I'm being healed from abuse that happened in my childhood. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm God's, you know, here I am. I'm 44 years old. I've been in this thing for a long time. And, and I'm finally seeing some areas get healed in my life in the way that I relate to people as a result of the abuse that I went through. And so never think <clears throat> that you've come to this place where you've arrived. If you think that you've arrived, you're building a statue. And, and you're building a statue that's actually, actually worshiping something that's not alive. How many of the statue of Saul is not alive? It's an image. It's not even a real image. Because how many of Saul wasn't always a good leader? But in the statue, I guarantee it was a complimentary statue of I'm awesome. And so, <clears throat> let God continue to develop you and to grow you because we all have things that we can develop. How I many know we can develop until the return of Jesus and we're changing a twinkling of an eye? Thank God for that twinkling change. 
Because God's like, all right, y'all been doing it on your own for a long time. Here, let me do it. Click, bam, glorified body. We flying. <laughs> no more aches, no more pains. Everything's fantastic. But right now, there's this thing called renewal of the mind, you know? And I went through a lot of, like, emotional abuse as a child. My mother struggled with alcoholism, and she'd get drunk, and she would basically rip me to pieces for hours and hours and hours and hours and just tear me apart verbally. My whole life, my whole life, right? I forgive her and I love her. But how many know that that created a warped sense inside of me to where now when my wife tries to express something to me that she would like for me to change or she would like for me to do differently or even something that might be wrong, I have resorted back to my childhood of someone's attacking me, right? I mean, that makes it very difficult on her to communicate with me or even be herself. And then we spent like 14 years in legalism where we always had to say everything was awesome, everything was blessed, and everything was amazing. And we could never actually really talk about anything that mattered. And so you take the abuse that I went through and then the abuse I went through in religion, like we can't talk about nothing. How are you? I am blessed. I am blessed. I am mighty. I am healthy. I am strong. I am amazing. And like... How many know that that is true in the spirit, but how many know there's a real place that when you, you're walking through something, you need to be able to talk to somebody about what's going on? How many of the scripture says we're to weep with those that weep? And, and so it's taken me a long time to get to this place to where I don't feel like I'm being attacked when she's asking me to change something or she's saying that something's not good or something's not right. How I many you know that's a healthy place of change for her and for me? Can I get an amen? Because now we can operate out of a place of truth. And so I'm finally seeing some growth in, in this part of my life. How I many you know God's been wanting to touch that in me for the past 44 years? But how I many you know I haven't been ready yet? How I many you know there are some things that, that, that God has to lay a foundation in you See, we got to fix the foundation before we can fix the windows. We got to fix the foundation. I mean, you got to, and, and I'm not a builder, so I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to even draw an analogy, but like, you got to fix stuff before you fix, like, how many know the, 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 the integrity of the building is more important than the coats of paint? Is that good, Tim? <laughs> See you back there laughing, bro. He's like, watch this, this is going to be funny, man. Jeremiah, he's going to say something stupid. <laughs> I'm grasping for straws, man. My level of mechanical ability is astonishingly bad. Like, it's like the average person is here. I'm like here. Like, I just, my mind doesn't work like that. The other day, uh, Lily had this little toy horse and, and this little doll, and the helmet's supposed to go on the doll, right? Well, I didn't realize that because I couldn't figure that out because my, my mind's not mechanical. I shoved the, the, the helmet on the, on the horse, and attached it to it. And it took me like 10 minutes to do it. I felt like I had just climbed Mount Everest when it happened. And Eli, from the back seat this morning, was just so disappointed in me. He was like, Dad, the horse can't see. It has a blinder in front of its... I mean, he was like genuinely upset with me, you know. And it, the, the hat doesn't belong in the horse. I was like, everyone in this car knows this, including Lily, except me. <laughs> we all have different gifts and callings and different abilities, and this is not mine. And so, praise God. Amen? Anyway, so the paint isn't as important as the integrity of the house. And how I many you know God, you may have an area of your life that God wants to bring healing, but you're not ready for it to be addressed yet. Because when we have a relationship with the one that changes not, how I many you know we are the ones that change? And if we won't have relationship with a type and a shadow and a statue, or even a preacher, and we have a real relationship with God, how I many you know God will continue to bring forth change in your life? How many know God wants to make your marriage better? How many know God wants to make your relationship with your children better? Your relationship with your grandchildren better? How many know God wants to make his relationship with you better? You know, one of the things that God wants to remove out of your relationship with him is any concept of you thinking that you're not good enough and you're not worthy. If my son came home and said, Dad, I'm not worthy to live in your home, I'm not worthy to eat your food, how many know we have a problem? Because now he's disqualified himself from relationship with me. And so now it's, it's hard to even work through that until we can get the unworthiness out. 
And so <clears throat> the Lord, these past few years, has been preaching the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, for the purpose of stripping condemnation out of your thoughts and out of your minds concerning God. Listen, God is not displeased with you. He loves you. You've been given an eternal forgiveness. Can I get an amen? It's not going to be taken away from you. I'm, I'm not more forgiven because I'm a preacher, and you're not less forgiven because you're not a preacher. Can I get an amen? There's not different levels of salvation. There's not different levels of righteousness, you know? And, 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 I, uh, and so, like, we got to get that removed because once my son knows that he's, that he's worthy of me, now we can have relationship. Now we can talk. Are y'all tracking me here? If he feels unworthy of me, I can't even correct him properly as his father because he won't receive correction. He'll think it's condemnation. I can't even father him. Because how many know true love corrects? How many know the world has this worldly concept of love that everything's okay and everything's right? How many know that's not true? How many know everything's not okay? I need an amen on that. Everything's not okay. You know, if someone's in here and they're hooked on drugs and they're going to snort a line of cocaine off this table, I'm not going to be like, it's okay. Do whatever you want. God loves you. It's okay. No, that's not okay. That's killing you. God loves you enough to tell you don't do that because that's going to kill you. And we can't get that mixed up. And we also can't let the world steal from us the word love. How many know God is love? And how many know it's in the scriptures? And real love is powerful and it, and, it, and, it, and it will father you and correct you and lead you out of death into life. Amen. We can't let the world steal from us the word love. Amen. That's our word. Right? How many know it's our rainbow? That's God's rainbow. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they're always trying to steal our stuff, man. And uh, are you giving that to me? Do I look like I need it? Do I got boogers on my face? No, but, you know. I'm ice, right? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. But like, we can't let them, we can't let them take stuff from us, right? That's our stuff. And just because they made it weird, and just because they, they, they did whatever with it, doesn't mean that it's not true. And so, if condemnation is present, in an individual, how many know you can't correct them? Because everything you say is determined as an attack against their identity. You can't be fathered under condemnation. Why? Because you feel unworthy. When the prodigal son came home to the father and he'd been out with, you know, in the pit, you know, eating pig slop and, and spending his money on righteous living and all that stuff. He came with this unworthy mentality, and he was ready to work for the father because he wasn't worth, he wasn't worthy to be an inheritor because he had squandered his inheritance. And I mean, the father didn't address his behavior because the kid already knew his behavior was bad. How many know sin has its own penalty? Sin doesn't lead to happiness in life, sin leads to death. And so by the time the prodigal son finally came home, he wasn't like, hey, I need some more sin. He was like, I need. I need out of this pig pen that I'm in. And so his father didn't even address his sin. His father actually just said, look, I need to remind you that you're worthy to be in my house. That's what everything that he did was. When he kissed him, when he put the robe on him, when he put the ring on him, when he put the shoes on him, when he threw a party for him, all of those things was like, you're not a slave. You're not a servant. You don't have to earn my love. You don't have to earn anything from me. You're still an inheritor. I'm still your father. I will still provide for you. You are a son. Amen? And so, like, that's why the robe came. How many know that that robe that he had represents the robe of righteousness that's been given to you? How many know you don't have to cover your nakedness anymore? How many know God has come and he has covered your nakedness? How, what, how has he done it? With the robe of righteousness. God has given you the gift of His righteousness. If you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are just as right with God as Jesus is. You are not outside of Christ. You are now in Christ, and you've been given that robe of righteousness. And so the purpose of a lot of this teaching over the past few years has been to strip out condemnation out of your relationship with God so that you can actually have a relationship with God so that you can actually be fathered. See, under legalism... 
it makes it all about man, but then all correction leads to condemnation. You're not good enough. You're not praying enough. You're not giving enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. How many know that will just absolutely destroy you, right? But then once, once, once the gospel starts coming in and it starts removing condemnation, you know what happened to me? I actually fell in love with correction. I can be corrected now. In fact, I want it. I want correction. Why? Because God's smarter than me. And I want to do it His way because His way works and my way stinks. My way always stinks. I don't want to do anything by myself. How I many know I'm not a fatherless child any longer? How I many know you are not a fatherless child any longer? You don't have to be by yourself. You have someone who will love you and protect you and teach you. Amen? Now, and so, Romans chapter 6, please. The gospel is after your heart. God is after your heart. Because if you get your heart, he has everything else. I mean, you know, man-made religion is really concerned with what you do. Like, man. And it's not even what you do. It's just so that you do stuff to make them look good. You know? Don't do this, don't do that, because you, you're making us look bad. And, and um, God's like, I want your heart, because if I can get your heart, I'll have your behavior too. How I many know that when you know who you are, you start to act as who you are? When you start to believe that God has made you good, you know, the, the way I got set free from drug addiction is God convinced me I wasn't a drug addict. No, you're a son of God. And so that's how I got free. I didn't get free, free through willpower or through trying really hard. I just kept hearing who I was, who I was, who I was, who I was. And then finally, that last piece of drugs that I was still partaking in, because the harder stuff dropped off quicker than the lighter stuff, then the lighter thing finally dropped off because it was like, this is just not who I am. Like, how I many you know as you awake to righteousness, sin starts to lose a hold over your life? As you start to wake up to who you are in Christ, sin becomes less and less attractive because it's actually not who you are. That's God's way of deliverance. Man's way of deliverance is through willpower, grip the back of the pulpit, try really hard not to sin, try really hard not to lust, try really hard not to lie. you got to try, try, try. And the way you alleviate your failure is you point fingers at everybody else. You're like, you know, I'm, at, I'm not struggling with, like, pornography so I'm going to judge all the pornography people, but I'm over here in gluttony and gossip all day long. But it's cool because I'm going to blame every, I'm going to point to everybody else. And I will hide behind a pointed finger. <clears throat> Condemnation is not handled properly by man. We don't know how to handle it. We can't handle it. So the only thing we can do is do what Adam and Eve did in the beginning. They just start blaming each other. <clears throat> Adam was like, this, this woman that you have given me. As soon as condemnation came in, the blame game started. And if you find yourself blaming people and criticizing people and judging people all the time, I, I want you to understand that, that, that you might not be handling condemnation properly. You might need to take that condemnation and put it on the cross. And I'm not saying that right's not right and wrong's not wrong, but how many know the nature of God is not an accuser? How many know the nature of the devil is an accuser? Amen? And so... In Romans chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. And so what the gospel does is it comes and it persuades your heart. A, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for your sins, that He was raised again from the dead, but then it also persuades your heart that you, ha <clears throat> that you have worth and you have value, and that you have a right to the privileges and to the, and to the, and to the promises that, that, that come from God. God wants to, to persuade your heart. God wants you to awake to righteousness. So God is, He's after the heart, and if He can get your heart, then He'll have everything else. <clears throat> Just like with our kids, I'm less concerned with a perfect obedience, and I'm more concerned with their heart. I want my children to know that, that I'm a safe place to fail. 
You know, when they make mistakes, they don't have to run from me. They can run to me. They don't have to pretend like they have everything perfect so that I'll accept them. No, 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 no. And, that, and that, that type of thinking is a lot of times is what drives kids to find validation in their peer base rather than find validation from the people that love them. Because if you've got to act perfect around mama and daddy and you can't let your hair down and just be yourself, then you're going to find someone that you can let your hair down and be yourself. And the next thing you know, you're getting your validation from people who don't love you and who don't care about you when you're wearing a mask around your parents. See, I, I, I'm not concerned with my children's perfect obedience. I'm con- I want their heart. I want them to know they can trust me. I want them to know, excuse me, that I'm a safe place. That when you fail, I'm going to crawl in the ditch with you. And we're going to come out together. You follow me? Like, you don't, you don't have to... You don't have to hide your ditch from me. You don't have to hide your mistakes from me. Like, I'm on your team. I mean, oh, that's how God treats us. Like, when you fail, God don't be like, oh, you stink, man. You're cut off from the family. That's what religion says. That's not true. When you fail, God crawls in the ditch with you, and he's like, okay, are we coming out of this? Because we're better than this. He does not leave you. He doesn't forsake you. How I many you know when you start to understand God from that perspective, he'll, he, all of a sudden you give him your heart? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Perfect example would be Abraham. God comes to Abraham. Abraham's not doing anything right. He's worshiping the moon. He's not, God doesn't come to him because he's doing anything right. God comes to him and says, all right, I'm going to be faithful to you, and I'm going to be good to you. Come. And then we see Abraham leave. We see Abraham make multiple mistakes. We see him lie. We see him cowardly throw his wife under the bus. We see him... Make mistake. We, we see God tells him he's going to do something for him, and Abraham and Sarah laugh at God. We see them make multiple mistakes, but what you know what you don't see? You know what you don't stop seeing? Listen to me. God continues to be faithful to Abraham even when he fails. Abraham's a picture of living under the gospel. How I many you know after Abraham lied about his wife and threw her under the bus, he left Egypt more blessed? In fact, every time you see Abraham make a mistake, you see God bless him. What's happening? What, is God crazy? No, God's like, I'm after the man's heart. I want him to know that he can trust me always. So every time Abraham failed, you never see God correct him in the sense of rebuking him and punishing him. In fact, uh, God rebuked and punished kings for messing with Abraham after Abraham lied. It's crazy what God does for Abraham. Why? Because God's like, I'm going to cause you to fall in love with me. Because I'm going to be so good to you, my goodness is going to lead you to repentance. My goodness is going to lead you to change. And you're going to get to a place where you trust me more than you trust yourself or the world around you. And we find that place, right? Because then God comes to him and says, all right, I want Isaac. Abraham said, okay. There was no hesitation. Why? Because it says in Peter, it says because God believed, or excuse me, Abraham believed that God was able to raise him from the dead. Why? Because God had never failed Abraham before. Why? Because God's goodness had won over Abraham's heart. And so when it was time for Abraham to obey a challenging thing that God told him, he saddled his donkey and got ready to go. He said, The Lord will provide for himself a lamb. Why? How many you know? You walk with God's faithfulness towards you long enough and you start to trust God even when he tells you to do crazy stuff. You start to be like, all right, cool. You've been faithful to me all this time. I know you're going to be faithful to me again. Why? Because the goodness of God will capture your heart. Legalism will force you into a place of obedience so you don't disappoint people or look bad in front of people. You're still bowing down to that statue created by Saul, created by man-made religion. But how many know God says, I want your heart? And when God has your heart, how many of he has all of you? Everybody tracking me here? And so he says, obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. What's the doctrine he's talking about? He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the grace of God. He's talking about grace and faith. He's talking about the goodness of God because it's after the heart. Now, the word for grace is the word charis, and I think grace in its very initial sense is definitely unmerited favor because how many know you can't earn grace? How many know that everything that comes from God is a gift, right? 
It is by grace through faith. Amen. God does it all. We receive it by faith. But, but, but the, another layer of that definition, it says grace is the divine influence upon the heart. <clears throat> How many of the grace of God will come in, the goodness of God will come in and capture your heart? How many of y'all ready to do what God tells you to do because he's been so good to you? I mean, not because of, of man-made religion or any of those things, but just because of what, how good God's been to you. Like, I, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, the greatest miracle that I've ever seen is that I actually want to obey God. I've never wanted to obey anyone or anything ever in my life. I've always been hard-headed, chip on my shoulder, fighting against authority, all the days of my life until Jesus conquered me. Well, how did he conquer me? He conquered me with his love. He conquered me with his faithfulness. I trust him. I want to do whatever he wants me to do. Why? Because I trust him. How I many you know he got my heart? And I'm not saying that to exalt myself. My failure is what brought me to that place. It wasn't my victory. I've failed enough on my own to where, like, I, I need God to tie my shoe, everything for my, in my life. But it, he's captured my heart. And so God knows that his good, he's after your heart. Because listen to me, your heart is the place of power in your life. Your heart is. Your heart is. Your heart is. Your heart is the place where, you know, the Bible says that we're spirit, soul, and body, right? Spirit, soul, and body. But then it also mentions the heart. And I believe the heart is that place where your soul and your spirit meet and kind of come together. I can't really prove that in Scripture, but... From studying scripture, I I just don't know what else the heart would be. Because how many of your spirit man is perfect? Right? So there's no flaws in your spirit. But how many of your soul is not perfect? I mean, I was just talking a moment ago about an area in my soul that's getting renewed. I'm finally getting to the place where I can can handle um, criticism in certain areas of my life without going back to my childhood and feel like I'm being attacked. Well, I've been so wounded in that area of my soul, it's taken years for that place to heal. But so the renewal of your mind, the renewal of your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, how many of you know that's what the Word of God does? How many of you when you change the way you think, you're gonna, your, life is, <clears throat> your life is going to change? So your spirit is perfect. Your soul is not. Your soul has the results of your childhood, the results of this world. You know, what this world told me was a man is actually not what being a man is. This world said, you know what being a man is? Sleep with as many girls as you can sleep with. If you sleep with a bunch of girls, then you're a man. That's what I was taught as a kid by my, by my uncles and, and by Hollywood. How I many of you know that's not a man, that's an animal? That's an animal. That's an animal. That's not a man. What does a man do? A man doesn't do that. A man, a man is a safe place. Amen. A man is faithful and committed to, to, to his spouse, right? And so I got to see what the Scripture declares as a man, not what the world declares as a man, but my soul was all jacked up on what being a man was. But my spirit was perfect. So the Word of God had to come in and cleanse my, this meeting place between perfection and imperfection, which is my heart. How many know that... Your heart can have good motives and your heart can have bad motives. How many know your spirit's going to have perfect motives? But how many know your heart needs to be cleansed with the washing of the water of the Word so that your heart is in agreement with your spirit so there can be power in your life? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, in Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 23, it says, Guard your heart with all diligence... For out of it springs the issues of life. Your heart is a very important place. How many of you know in Mark, in Mark chapter 4, it talks about how the heart can, can, can have stony ground. How the heart can be sown with the cares of, of this life and thorns and thistles. You know, how many of you know if we don't take care of this garden out here, it, how many of you know there's nothing wrong with the ground? But if we don't get the weeds out, we're not going to produce fruit. Out of the garden, right? And how many know that, that your heart is your, 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 your place of, how many of you can sow things into your heart that are good and you can sow things into your heart that are bad, right? 
And we have to guard our hearts. How many know if the only thing that I ever did was watch violent movies that are filled with fear, and that's all I ever did, 20, you know, you know, 12 hours a day I watch violent movies. How many know that's going to have an impact on my heart and the world that I see, the way that I look at the world, right? How many know that's going to, that's going to have impact? <clears throat> Why? Because I'm sowing into my heart fear and violence. Now, how many know it's not affecting my spirit, but it will affect my heart? You know, I had a period of my life where I was, I was watching too much news and I was listening to too much news. And I'm not saying that you can't watch a move, you know, movies and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that you can't listen to the news and watch the news. But I'm saying that, how many know you can OD on news and you can OD on entertainment to where your heart is filled with the cares of this life and the kingdom is not actually bringing forth fruit in your life. The only thing that you're bringing forth is the thing that this world has. And I had this season where I was watching so much news that I got scared. And I like, and I'm not a fearful person. And I started like being really weird about locking the door all the time. And you know, if someone step outside, Ethan, step outside for three seconds, I locked the door. <laughs> you know, step back in, lock the door. You know, what I mean, like weird, lock the door. I'm all, you know, lock your doors and stuff like that. But how many know what had happened was I had spent so much time planting fear into my heart, I started living afraid. Am I still the righteousness of God? Yes. Have I not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind? Yes. Had I sowed a bunch of fear into my heart? Yes. And it was bringing forth fear. Same thing um, during uh, the, the whole COVID thing. I, I, I got so mad at everything that was going on, and I started listening to angry voices all the time, and my dog was driving me crazy. And, and all of those things together, I started living angry. And I'm not an angry person. But I was living angry. And so you can't take that stuff and compartmentalize it. I can't take fear and put it in a little box and put it right here. I'm sowing anger into my heart, and now it's coming out. It's coming out in the way that I address my wife. It's coming out in the way that I address my children. And I'm, you know, anger is a hard cross to bear. When you're angry, it will wear your butt out. Why? Because it's not your nature. No, it's okay to have righteous indignation. It's okay to take a stand for the truth. I had some angry prayer last night. You know, I was, I was speaking out, not towards God or anything like that, but I was taking authority over some things in my home, and there's a righteous indignation in the way that I spoke. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not my default setting. I mean, my default setting is peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy. But I had sown so much anger into my heart, sown fear into my heart, it was messing me up, and it was messing up the harvest of my life, and it was causing me to actually be unhappy. And so it says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. How I many you know you got to be careful what kind of music you listen to? One of the reasons I think this world is so jacked up is people have listened to violent music for so long, and then this uh, pandemic hit, and everybody was in lockdown, and all that seed that had been sown for years and years and years, it just became the norm. The level of violence that we see in this land is astonishing. It's like, and, and it's everywhere. You know, I mean, Will Smith smacking somebody upside the head. You know, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, that wouldn't have happened on national television. But now, because of all of the, 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 the seeds of discord and anger and all of these things that have been sown in people's hearts and violence through music and, and, and or even just the way women are treated. I mean, you know, the, 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 a lot of this popular music, they don't treat women like they're human beings. They treat them like they're sexual objects. And that's infiltrated the way that, that, that young girls see themselves and the way that young men see girls. And how I many know God didn't create it to be that way? But because the music in popular culture and music in movies have just sown immorality after immorality after immorality, now we're in this place in, in 2022 where right, where they say right is wrong and wrong is right. We've turned the compass completely around. How did that happen? Seed after seed after seed after seed. This, this harvest of death and destruction and rage that we're currently seeing in the earth, it's been, it's been in the works for a long time. And here's the thing, man. They can do what they want to do because that's on them. But as for my heart, I'm going to guard it. And I'm not sowing a bunch of crap into my heart. Why? Because I, I don't want it manifesting in my life. I don't, I don't want 
the lens of my worldview to be based upon what this world says. The longer I live, the more I just say yuck toward the world. Like, it's just gross. And, and, I, and I like entertainment and stuff like that. I like it, but I'm finding myself more and more just turning my TV off, man. It's like, man, y'all are crazy. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's like, because it's everywhere. Like everywhere, they're trying to indoctrinate us with stuff, right? And I found that if I'll protect my heart, I, I mean, you know, you can lead a good, happy life in the midst of the craziness that's going on on this planet. But sometimes you gotta, you got to shut some voices off. you got to turn some things off. And, and because what you sow into your heart is going to come out. I mean, it's just, it's just the truth. You know, and Jesus said, what defiles a man is not what he eats, but what he says. It's what comes out of a man that defiles a man. I mean, you know, if you're constantly damning everything in your language, and damning everything, and damning this, and damning that in your language, I mean, that's what, that's what all the, the cussing and stuff really is. You're damning things. How I many know that as you're sowing that into your heart, that it, 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 how I many know you don't want the harvest of cursing? I'm not in here trying to, you know, get up in everybody's business and all that. But what, I, what, I, what I'm saying is, what you say affects you. What you speak, and if we're speaking the words to these songs, we're sowing things in our heart that we don't want in our heart, and we don't want into in our lives. I mean, just because it's got a nice beat doesn't mean what they're saying is the truth. You know, if you take a look at what, what the lyrics are, it's like, that's awful. I mean, it's filled with lust and death and violence. I don't want that in my life. I don't want, I don't want you know, you understand what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to bring you over into this place where you're freaked out in the world. No, he that's within you is greater than he that's within the world. But how I many you know, when it's talking about guarding your heart, there's a wisdom to guarding your heart and what you place down on the inside of you. Amen? In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I don't think that's a scripture that's saying that, you know, you got to be perfect in order to be saved. I don't agree with that because the thief on the cross receives salvation. But I do think that, that when, when there's a cleansing of our hearts with the truth of God's Word, you can actually see what God is doing in the earth. You can see how God is moving. How many of you know God is still moving in the earth? God's doing all kinds of things. They're just not talking about it on the news. God's doing amazing things. Little things here and there and everywhere. I'm seeing ministry happen all the time in my daily life and you're talking to people and praying for people and all of these things, but it's not on the nightly news and it's not on the big screen, but it doesn't mean that it's not happening. Good things are happening. They're just, they don't have that amplified out of their megaphone. Amen? And so the pure in heart will see, will see God, will see God moving. And, and so turn to Proverbs chapter 4, please. And your heart is a very powerful thing that God has given you. And God wants your heart to work with you and to work for you and, and, and to, to, to be backing you up. And, and the way that that happens is we line ourselves up with what God thinks and what, what, what God says. How I many of you know what God says is right is right? How I many of you know what God says is wrong is wrong? Amen? And, and there's this place in, in our hearts where we can have this like purification to where your heart can, can help you and be with you. Because how I many you know that your heart is what helps you believe. How I many of believing comes through your heart? Right? Jesus said, if you didn't doubt in your heart, but you believed what you prayed, or you believed what you said, it would come to pass. I mean, that's a powerful statement. I know that's been abused. But how I many know just because Scripture's been abused doesn't mean that Scripture itself is not true? Right? Don't allow them to steal anything else from us. Talking about man-made religion and the world. But your believing comes out of your heart. And in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, I quoted it just a second ago, but it says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And it says this, Put away from you a deceitful mouth 
and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyelids look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Turn not to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. So it's talking about guarding your heart. And the next thing it talks about is deceit. Now listen to me. This is really important. You want to be able to trust you. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Here's the thing. Your heart's a powerful thing that God has given you. But here's the thing. How many know that when you lie, you're you're teaching you, you're teaching your heart not to trust you? When you lie, you're teaching your heart not to trust you. When you lie, you're teaching your heart not to trust you. Now listen, how many know your salvation's not at stake here? Can I get an amen? How many know Jesus has paid for your sin? You're the righteous. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God. But when I speak an untruth, how many know my heart knows it? You want to know how to have confidence? You want to know how to have strength? You know how to align your heart with your spirit? Just tell the truth all the time. You know how simple that makes everything? Tell the truth all the time. So much easier. When you, when, when you, when you major on truth, you don't have to, have to worry about what to do. How many of the integrity of the upright shall guide them? Seriously, I mean like, just tell the truth. Like, when you just tell the truth, you don't have to think about a bunch of different stuff. Life becomes so uncomplicated. It's just the truth. Because what happens is, as you start to speak truth, your heart starts to get in agreement with your spirit. And then, listen to me, your words carry more weight. Why? Because you believe what you're saying. And so now, when you're in a situation when you need to pray, or you're in a situation where you need to cast out a devil or take authority over something, your words already have power because you've been operating in truth the whole time and you believe what you say. I'm not, once again, I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about your righteousness. I'm, I'm talking about getting your heart to back you up. Because... When we lie, we teach our own heart not to trust us. And I'm talking about big things and little things. If we can remove all deceit out of our, out of our mind, I mean out of our mouth, remove just all deceit, just tell the truth all the time, no matter what. A, it's going to make your life simpler. B, it's gonna, it's gonna, there's going to be power in your words because you believe what you say. How many know if you don't believe what you say, nobody else is going to believe what you say? And if you don't believe what you say, your words don't carry weight. But when you believe what you say, that power station that is your heart is backing you because you're not doubting in your heart, but you're embracing the truth. Everybody tracking me here? I'm telling you, there's so much power in this. Jesus said, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. Why does he say that? He said, anything more than that comes of the evil one. How many know when we, how many know this world lies all the time? That's all they do is lie. There's no concept of truth in the world, right? But how many know many of us, we've been taught to lie to make our life easier, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Does this, you know, I'm, I'm, that's a bad example, but like people, people want your opinion and they want, and how many know a little, a little white lie will, you think will be a crutch to make your life easier, but when you share that, you know what you're doing? You're teaching your heart not to trust you. When you tell somebody that you're going to be somewhere at, you know, at 5 p.m. and you don't show up on time, how I many know you're teaching your heart not to trust you? 
But when we can embrace truth, just woo, truth, when we can operate in truth, then you know what happens? Your heart starts to back you. And so now, when you need the power of God operating in your words, how I many you know when Paul cast demons out of people, he did it in the name of Jesus, right? And he cast demons out in the name of Jesus. And it was powerful and it was awesome. But, but, but how many you know Paul had a revelation of Jesus? But how many you know the, the seven sons of Sceva, they said, we cast, they were trying to cast out this demon. They said, we cast this demon out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. How many of the demons went and kicked those kids' butts? Why? Because they weren't speaking out of revelation. They were mimicking someone else's revelation. We, we cast you out in the name of that guy, Jesus, who Paul preaches. And the demons were like, we're going to kick your butt. Because the magic's not in the, not in the word, Jesus. The power is in the speaking of truth out of a place of revelation. Jeremiah, why are you saying all this? Are you trying to just correct us? I thought this was a grace church. What's going on? Listen, how many know that, that true godly fathering involves correction? God wants your heart to back you when you speak. When you believe what you say, you will have confidence. And when you have confidence in what you say, people will believe what you say. But if you don't trust yourself, how is anybody else going to trust you? Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Listen, that little white lie, you may think it's a little crutch or a little band-aid that's going to help you. It doesn't. It does a lot of damage to your heart because if your heart don't trust you, your heart's not going to back you. One of the things I found in my life is if my motives are pure, I can have an unlimited level of confidence. If my motives are pure, like if, if my, and, and, and the grace of God and the gospel have cleansed my motives to where now I, I, I serve out of a right motive. So if my motives are right, I don't care what anybody thinks. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, like if, if my motives are right, like it was hard for me to do evangelism in the past because I was always trying to get people to come to a church and it felt dirty. I felt like I was trying to, choose, uh, to sell my church like a used car. Now, when I do evangelism, my motives are pure, and I'm just there to help people and to draw people to Jesus so I can have a boldness that I never had before because my heart backs me in what I'm doing. Y'all tracking me here? The value of what that little white lie brings to your life is not greater than the value of having your heart back you in everything that you say and everything that you do. I mean, the integrity of the upright will guide them. When you do things out of a place of truth and out of a place of it, you just do it because it's right. How many of there's confidence there? <laughs> there is, man. There's a confidence. We live in a world that they deal in lies. There's lie. I mean, the level of lying that goes on in the news and the media is astonishing. Why? Because it's snowballed into everything's a lie. I mean, that's what Hollywood does. They paint a lie with a whole lot of money. That's what, that's what entertainment is. It's actually not true. It's a lie. Unless it's a true story. And even if it is a true story, they usually embellish it. Let's be different. Let's be the people that tell the truth. Because I'm telling you, and, and here's the thing, whether you lie or don't lie, God still loves you the same. If you're born again, and whether you tell the truth or don't tell the truth, God still loves you. God's still for you. His heart is towards you. He's not going to love you more because you're telling the truth or love you less because you're lying. But I'm here to tell you right now that your heart won't follow you into a lie. How many of your heart, how many know your heart won't honor a lie? Your flesh will, but your heart won't. And, and this place of, of, of truth, it's powerful. It's awesome. So the next time the enemy would want to try to get you to compromise truth in order to somehow protect your bud or cover your bud or whatever, don't do it. It's not worth forsaking the power of your heart in order to smooth something over. If you're late and you were late because it wasn't because of traffic or you're just late because you got up late, 
Just tell the truth. It's, it makes everything so simple. Just always tell the truth. The truth is sufficient. And it's like, all of a sudden, your heart starts lining up with your mouth. And listen to me, now when you pray, there's power in what you're praying. Why? Because you're speaking truth. Now when you speak, there's power in what you say because you're speaking truth. Can I get an amen? I mean, I know we're like kind of quiet here this morning, but like, it's really pretty daggone awesome. You know, I've been, I, I, I have, I've spent my whole, I, I like, I've, I mean, I used to lie. Gosh, I used to lie. I used to, I mean, I used to, I, I'd have to, before I came home, I'd have to get all my lies together. I'd be like, all right, these are all the lies I told my mom. These are all the lies I told my girlfriend. These are all the lies I told my friends. <laughs> these are, and then all the lies I told myself that I actually believe. And I got to mix all that together and, all right, theatrics, here we go. I mean, that's a complicated life. Have you ever been there before? It's difficult. And so now it's like, you know, and now, you know, I'm not a liar, but like I've told half-truths. I've exaggerated. Anybody as a believer done that before? Come on, don't leave me by myself. Help me out. Somebody, please. But I'm telling you, what, what God's been showing me is you're doing damage to your heart by doing that. Don't do that, son. Just tell the truth all the time, no matter what. And your heart will back you in everything that you do. Because your heart is the power station. Because when you believe in your heart and you speak it, there's power in it. Amen. Y'all tracking me here? Amen. Praise God. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Amen. And sow good things into your heart. Amen. It, it just simplifies your life and it makes your life so much better and so much easier. Amen. All right. That's all I got for you today. I'm trying to be...